The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 84. Today's Sunday, March 11th, daylight savings time for those of you who participate in that. I know if you're listening out in Hawaii, you don't pay attention to daylight savings. For the rest of you, remember to change the batteries in your smoke detectors today. Very important. I am joined by my co-host all the way from Nor'easter country in New Jersey, Jeff Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing on this Sunday evening on a weekend with no UFC? Bill, I've been pre- uh, plenty busy. I had to shovel a butt ton of snow Wednesday night, and I got the salt lined up for tomorrow because we're supposed to get hit with another one. That sounds fucking terrible. Um- <laughs> Bill, it builds character. What are you talking about? <laughs> it is 76 degrees here uh i got a little sunburn today i'm feeling good it's it's getting so warm out jeff i had to break out one of the classic cocktails i made myself a little gold rush for the show today so for those of you uh, who have been listening for a while and those of you who haven't uh gold rush is one of my favorite summer cocktails it's just bourbon fresh lemon juice and a little honey i go with the raw local honey unfiltered uh but you could use whatever you got lying around uh if you're interested in the exact recipe which does not include measurements you can check out the youtube channel at mma on the rocks uh, if you really want to see how that goes i'm using wild turkey bourbon in the video i use buffalo trace but any bourbon will do really uh it's a nice uh, uh light summer drink for those of you who really enjoy bourbon but you know it gets a little tough drinking bourbon when it gets hot and sticky out. So you need something to cool it off a little bit. So you just do that over ice and uh, feels good. So Jeff, what's going on in your world, man? Not a lot of UFC to talk about. Uh, Any news with you? Well, my nephew had his birthday party last night. He turned the big eight. The big eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't believe it's been eight years. It feels like just yesterday I was holding him and, you know, using him to reach the remote when it fell on the floor and I didn't want to turn over on the couch. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I got him a book. He's big into reading, which I love. I, th- I think that not enough people read nowadays. Mm-hmm. And for his younger siblings, I got a shirt that says world's best sister and a little remote control car. Nice. Solid gifts. From Uncle Jeff. I like it. So your nephew turns eight. My daughter turned eight weeks on Friday. So time is flying, man. She'll be two months old tomorrow. Uh, It feels like just yesterday I was driving her home from the hospital. I'm sure I'll be saying that the rest of her life. Um, So you and I were talking at the end of the episode last week, and I had a a story I wanted to share with everybody because we were talking about the new Jameson Irish Whiskey Caskmates IPA edition. So you and I had 
tried the stout edition last year when you came to visit in Florida. We we did the stout, which I like. It's a solid whiskey, but I got to say the IPA edition really blows it out of the water. I'll, I have the bottle here still from last week, so I'll hold it up for everybody watching on YouTube. So what they do is they take the Jameson Irish whiskey and they import it to the United States and they partner with local craft breweries. So here in Florida, they partner with Cigar City Brewery in Tampa and they use their High Lie IPA, which is one of my top five go-to beers of all time. And they let the beer soak or they let the whiskey soak in the beer barrels. So it kind of soaks up that IPA flavor. Uh, and it's really delicious. I had a few too many of these uh, last night, Jeff. But I wanted to tell a story about the Jameson because I was reading the bottle and it turns out that Jameson is a product of Cork County in Ireland, which is uh, where my ancestors are from. Uh, so my, my great-grandparents uh, came to the United States from Cork. And... It, it was a funny story because I I always remember that and and people if people ever happen to ask where my family's from in Ireland that's what I tell them. So I took a trip to Japan two years ago, and of all places, I found an Irish pub in in the middle of Japan, and it was owned by an Irish guy. And I go in there, and of course he comes over to me because you know I was. <laughs> the only other uh, non-Japanese person in the bar at the time, even though it was a, a touristy area. So we started talking and it turns out he had been in Japan for 10 years. And I, I said to him, like, do you even speak Japanese? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm fluent as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I never got him to speak any Japanese, but he kept telling me he's fluent as fuck, which... Well, you got to take a man on his word. But I, I told him, I told him like my dad's side of the family's from Ireland. He says, "Oh, we're from." And I, I say Cork. He's like Cork, bunch of crazy fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I better cover your drink so you don't start any trouble in my bar. And I, <laughs> so, doing <laughs> shots with this guy all night, and uh, I'm like, by the end, I was like, I still haven't heard you speak Japanese. And he goes, "I told you, I'm fluent as fuck." <laughs> and that was that was as far as it went. So awesome time in Japan. If you ever have the means, Jeff, and I know we've talked about this, uh, you gotta you gotta make your way to Japan. And I, I recommend that to anyone out there listening. If you haven't been, if you have, please uh, share your experiences with us on social media. Um, so I, I'd say put it at the top of your travel list. It's really a phenomenal country just for the booze alone. Japanese whiskey is exquisite. They do it right over there and they don't export a lot of it. Uh, cause they're smart, Jeff, you know, they figure how to, they figure out how to do these things. They're very disciplined. They, if they're going to do something, they do it right. And then they keep it for themselves because that's what smart people do. They're not going to go sending it all over the world and dilute their product. They're going to do it high quality and you have to come to them if you want to get it. And it's well worth it. And, uh, the beer is amazing. Sake. You can drink on the street in Japan. Uh, so that was my story that I left out from last week, Jeff, um, that I wanted to tell. And, uh, thanks to Jameson for reminding me of that. Usually Jameson is helping me forget things. Uh, <laughs> but it, it reminded me of that story. All right.
So we covered cocktails. We covered the weather. We covered, uh, you know, nephews' birthdays and, and my daughter's birthdays. I think we've gotten through all the small talk topics. Let's get into some MMA. So where I want to start, Jeff, is there's been some trash talk between Michael Bisbang and Luke Rockhold, and they've been going back and forth, and they want to fight each other, and they don't want to fight each other. And Luke wants to fight him at 205 and end his career, and he's gone as far as to say if Bisbang beats him, then he'll retire. It's been a little dramatic. I, I guess it's been you know one of the main news topics lately. What would you think about this trilogy fight for Michael Bisbing's uh, going away fight? Because as he said many times, this will be his last fight. He wants to do one more. What do you think about it being a, a rubber match against Luke Rockhold? I love it. I think it is a genius idea. I think it's the right time to do it. They're both still, uh, they, I think they're both coming off of losses and they're both still really good fighters. I think this can be its own fight night. I think that you can put a pretty um, decent card under it. And even if you don't, I think you still have a really great main event. I'd love to see them get it on one last time. I don't care if it's at 185 or 205, but Bill, do you think anybody has a bigger advantage if it's at 185, or does somebody have a bit more of an ev a bit more of an edge if it's at 205? What do you think here? Um, well, it's hard to say because Bisping started his career at 205, and he did pretty well there. Obviously, he won the ultimate fighter at 205 pounds. I think Rockhold is the much bigger fighter. And I think he cuts somewhere in the vicinity of 30 pounds to make 185. So for that reason, I would say, uh, it would probably favor Rockhold to do it at 205. Uh, you know, Bisping has trimmed down a lot since earlier in his career. He used to carry a lot of extra weight, uh, that he doesn't anymore. He's, he's much slimmer now, which is, you know, backwards from how most people do it. Um, so given that Rockhold is the bigger man and he'd probably put on a little bit more muscle, uh, it might favor him. But I'll tell you something, Jeff. If Rockhold goes in there with his hands down, it, it doesn't matter if he walks in the cage at 320 pounds because you can't just put your chin out there for people, especially people like Michael Bisping and Yoel Romero. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work in your favor. I actually, <laughs> I sent you this photo. There's a Luke Rockhold posted a picture uh, on his Instagram, and he is using a, a rather thick young lady as a beach pillow or as a pool pillow. And his caption just said, uh, "Business is good," but and he's so he's laying on this lady's uh, lower back area. And he's on the phone. So he's holding one hand up to his face with the phone and the other hand is kind of on his chin. So I, I put it with the caption. This is a very rare photo of Luke Rockhold with his hands up. Uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, a nice, nice looking lady he had with him, Jeff. Um, I, I know you happened to, to catch this image. What were your thoughts on, on that? Do you, do you think business is good for Luke Rockhold? I don't know, Bill. I mean, it could have been a picture of him getting knocked out. He was laying down. So, um, yeah, dude. I don't know. Uh, I'm really interested in this fight, though. Mm -hmm. Rockhold, oh, man, I don't know. That's something you got to – how do I put this? That's something you can't really 
teach a person or can you can you teach someone to put their hands up is it that hard bill i don't know i feel like that's something you could have learned in boxing 101 i feel like it is and i was talking to somebody about this the other day uh so rockhold has been training with henry hooft who is you know a world-renowned kickboxer but i feel like when people change camps and go to work with him their striking somehow gets worse uh, I don't know what the reason is. I think maybe his style just doesn't translate well into coaching. Or I, and that might be a little bit extreme, but uh, I mean, it seems to be uh, like a number of coincidences in a row. Like people go there and they train with him and then all of a sudden they're getting knocked out, which makes no sense because you're training with one of the best strikers in the world. But I would think it is teachable to have someone keep their hands up because every striking coach I've ever had has yelled at me repeatedly. If I ever drop my hands to the point where we do drills, where the whole point is to, you know, hold up medicine balls and you, you know, the old Muay Thai drill, one person holds a medicine ball, the other person punches it. And it's a, it, it's just basically to see uh, how long you can go holding your hands up until you're just so exhausted that you drop it. And then every time you drop it, you get punched in the face because you got to hold a medicine ball out in front of your face. So um, I, there are methods to teach people how to keep their hands up, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because he has so much reach and he's so tall for the division, maybe it's just not something he adapted. I I think that, you know, that, that kind of karate style he has, that kind of like Taekwondo style, you, you know, a lot of guys fight that way. Um, you know, Steven Thompson comes to mind where he keeps his hands low, but he also has more of a sideways stance and he does other things to, to keep his face out of danger. Um, who's the other guy I'm thinking of Gunnar Nelson fights that way. And, and look what happened to him when he fought, you know, a, a straight down the pipe, uh, puncher like Santiago Ponzinibbio, um, you know, no good, but uh, I, I mean, you can't fully argue with the results Rockhold has gotten. I mean, he's been the UFC champion. He's been the Strike Force champion. He's obviously very skilled, but the hands thing has to go out the door. I don't know if it's a, if it's like an ego thing, like I'm going to drop my hands and and you know bait you to come in or whatever the case. But uh, that clearly has to change because then you get large Cuban men yelling that they love you in your face and you don't know where you are, and that's never a good thing, Jeff. <laughs> yeah man i can't say i can relate to you on that one bill but um, <laughs> you never want to wake up to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but bill you brought up an interesting point and i think this is something to be talked about you talked about how good henry hooft was as a kickboxer but that doesn't i feel like being good at something and then teaching someone else to do that thing that you're good at are two totally different skills and even arts i mean look at uh greg jackson i mean i've never heard of his fight career or anything like that i don't know how good he was as if he did fight but he's an awesome coach man i'd love to work with him at some point so you know an interesting uh thing of teaching versus being able to do yeah for sure um so here uh, just to change gears on you a little bit because i was thinking about um I was thinking about wrestling the other day and the NCAA tournament is coming up. So here's an interesting story, Jeff. Um, 
the Duke wrestling team has two sets of twins that are that have all made the tournament. So it it's it's four guys, all brothers, that you know two sets of twins. So there's four of them, uh, and they all made the NCAA tournament. I thought this was pretty amazing, and then I thought about it. Like if you grow up with three brothers who are pretty similar in size to you, uh, I mean, you have to be awesome at wrestling. Like there's just no, there's no way about it. There's no other way for it to happen. Like you get home from wrestling practice and then like, all right, whoever gets taken down first has to do the dishes or like whatever it is. Like, you know how brothers can be so competitive. Like this is such an advantage. I'd be interested to see these guys uh, compete in MMA at some point down the line. Have you heard about this, Jeff? No, I haven't. But that sounds really cool. I like how how you brought it up. Like you know, they they spend so much time together. They probably just wrestle, you know, just to see who gets the last bit of dessert or something. I love. I, love, <laughs> I think it's cool. Yeah, and it's like you, they all have to be in similar size. I don't know uh, which weight classes they wrestle in, but they all made the tournament, and they're all. Uh, so Fine Silver is the last name. So they're all from. Colorado, I believe, Josh, Matt, Mitch, and Zach. And I have their weights here. So 133, 174, 157, and 165, uh, respectively. So they they won't be facing each other in a tournament. So they all make the tournament, I guess. You know, they probably decide ahead of time, like, okay, Matt, you're the strongest, so you compete at 174, uh, because they have to be in similar size. So Obviously, this is a huge advantage for wrestling growing up like this. Uh, another example top of mind is is Matt Hughes, who had a twin brother, and they used to wrestle all the time. And obviously, Matt Hughes, one of the most dominant wrestlers in UFC history. And then, uh, of course, the Schultz brothers, but they were not twins. But I think they're only like two years apart. So the, the famous uh, Schultz brothers, Olympians, and uh, from the from the Fox catcher movie um, and the Fox catcher documentary, both really good movies. Um, so if you're into wrestling NCAA tournament coming up, so I, I plan to watch a little bit of it this year. Uh, it should be exciting. So um, it looks like uh, Bellator is trying to reach the, nostalgia of MMA fans and they're trying to make Vanderlei Silva rampage Jackson part four. And <laughs> I don't really know how I feel about this. This is like, did you ever see that movie grudge match with Sylvester Stallone and, uh, Robert De Niro? <laughs> it's like, they're, they're like 60 something years old. <laughs> they, they, it's just terrible movie, really terrible. And I feel like, Rampage Vanderlei 4 is a terrible idea. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Maybe you can change my mind here, Jeff. I don't think I can change your mind today, Bill. I think that's a terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, oh, man, I don't want to see this. What are they going to do it at heavyweight? <laughs> These guys used to be middleweights and shredded. And are you going to roll them out there and Vanderlei with his, like, tight skin stretched over his face? <laughs> like... I don't need to see this. Uh, let's uh, come on, Coker. Let's, let's get some new prospects in here and start start making some stars. I think there's also a rumor of uh, Mirko Krokop going over to Bellator. 
So I guess he didn't want to retire from MMA. He just wanted to retire from uh, an MMA organization that drug tests is really what it is. Because Crow Cop's up there. He's got to be in his 40s. So, uh, you know, let's get some steroids in him, see how long he can do this thing until his legs fall off or something. Um, so we touched briefly on UFC Fight Night 127, which is going to be at the O2 Arena in London on March 17th, St. Patrick's day. And it's one of those cards, Jeff, that it's like on paper, you know, it doesn't look that great, but it's probably going to be better in practice. You know, these are always the, the sleeper cards that end up having awesome fights on it with the, the lesser known fighters who want to prove themselves. And I know we promised that we would do a little research and watch some tape and come back with, uh, you know, better analysis of this card. I didn't. Um, so sorry, everybody. I didn't do my homework. I don't know if you did Jeff, or if there's anything on this card that kind of catches your eye that you want to bring up here. Bill, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm not too excited for this one. Yeah. I mean, it's headlined by Fabricio Verdum, who, you know, is usually a pretty exciting fight. Uh, a lot of people thought his last outing against Marcin Taburo was a little boring, but you got to give it to Verdum because he's been consistently ranked like number two or three in the heavyweight division, and he keeps taking these fights, which is really dangerous for him because he could lose his place in line. They don't want to give him back to Stipe because he got knocked out by him so recently, um, and, and there's just so much else going on in the division. I guess he wants to stay active. I mean, credit to Verdum for doing that. So he's going to fight... Alexander Volkov. The uh, Jimmy Manoa and Jan Blakovich fight is very interesting to me. Uh, Leon Edwards and Peter Sabata is also a very interesting fight. Uh, you know, two pretty well-versed uh, strikers. And then they got Stevie Ray on there who, you know, he had a war with Joe Lozon a little while ago. Uh, Stevie Ray usually has uh, in, uh, exciting fights. He's fighting K. John Johnson. Uh, so I imagine he'll be the uh, the hometown uh, favorite there. But uh, he also, Stevie Ray also had that brutal knockout by the hands of Paul Felder in his last fight in July. So I'm glad to see him take a good amount of time off after that. And he's going to get in there with K. John Johnson. So, you know, there are some good matchups on here. Like I'm, I'm going to watch it, but you know what everybody's waiting for and, and I've heard several people say it, like, can we just fast forward to the next pay-per-view, UFC 223, which, of course, is headlined by Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. We're going to have to wait a couple of weeks for that one, Jeff. That's not until April 7th, but this card is stacked. Tony Ferguson versus Khabib for maybe the interim title. Maybe they're going to strip Conor McGregor. I don't know. I don't really care. I'm just excited for this fight. And then the rematch between Rose Namajunas and Ioane on Jacek, uh, Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa, Ally Quinta and Paul Felder, Carolina Kavokovic and Felice Herrig, Ray Borg, I don't give a shit because it's uh, flyweights. Uh, Joe Lozon is on there. Beck Rawlings and Ashley Evans-Smith. Uh, Alex Caceres and Artem Lobov. I, I mean, two of the more forgettable fighters on the roster, but uh, I, I feel like that's a fun fight. And, uh, you know, you get a couple of other good ones on here. Evan Dunham 
is fighting, but his opponent had to pull out due to visa issues. He was supposed to fight Marabek Tysimov, um, but that's not going to happen. But this is the card, Jeff. I feel like uh, this is going to be the most exciting one uh, on the horizon here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Bill, I'm amped for this one. I am thinking of going out to see it, but ticket might be hard to obtain. I got to see because um, the UFC 217, I think it was, that I went to back in November. The tickets were pretty easy to get, so we'll see. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, dude, uh, that whole card looks really good. I'm excited for this Nurmagomedov um, versus Tony Ferguson fight. I think that too many people – are giving Tony Ferguson a chance here. I feel like I feel like we're gonna see more of the same from Khabib, man. I mean, the guy used to wrestle bears, Bill. What yeah. do you do against someone who can fight a bear? He uh, the biggest surprise from Khabib will be if he actually makes the walk and makes weight. Um, I I really really don't hope that we're disappointed with this one again, Jeff, because I don't think my heart can take it. If this fight doesn't finally happen, uh, I, I'm so excited for this fight. If it doesn't, then, you know, Thug Rose and Yoani on Jacek would be an awesome main event. I feel like that could be a main event of any other pay-per-view, but uh, it, it does kind of have a bit of foreshadowing attached to it in terms of whether or not this is going to be for the lightweight championship as opposed to the interim championship because it is the main event over an actual title fight in the women's strawweight division. So that tells me that they probably are going to strip Conor McGregor. Uh, I mean, it's no skin off my nuts either way. Um, strip them, don't strip them. I, I just want to see this fight. I don't give a fuck if you give them a purple belt when it's done or if you give them a belt made out of Skittles. It would make no difference to me, Jeff. I'm watching this fight. Uh, you got my money. Take my money, UFC. I don't give a fuck what you give the winner of this fight. Just make sure it happens. Make sure Khabib gets in that cage. Yeah. Um, I feel like they've all, they may have already stripped Connor because they, they've been playing this as a fight for the, what is it, lightweight championship? It, it yeah. hasn't been billed as interim lightweight championship. So I don't know if they've already stripped Connor. Um, yeah. But dude, uh, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about Conor McGregor. He's he's just at this point he's just trying to do things to stay to keep his name in the headlines. Like yeah. for example, when he said um, that he would fight Frankie Edgar and he wanted to take that fight. When he said that, the fight had already been made with Brian Ortega. So <clears throat> I think it's a smart move. I think that he did just enough to stay relevant, and uh, you know now he's selling spicy chicken sandwiches. <laughs> on airplanes. I guess he's the new Burger King. I don't know. From one king to another. <laughs> uh, yeah. I um I don't pay attention to Conor McGregor stuff personally. Uh, unless he's going to fight. Uh, if I see a headline with his name on it, I just kind of, uh, you know, I'll click it and just kind of skim over it. But I don't pay much attention. I think, like, the people who get most frustrated with him are the ones that are giving him the attention. You know, like you said in the Burger King commercial, thanks thanks for all the trash talk you're putting my kid through college. Uh, you know, if, if you don't like the guy, stop talking about him. And uh, 
you know, then you don't give him that power anymore. It's as simple as that, really. Uh, but, you, you know, he says some inflammatory things and he gets under people's skin and people don't like him. And then other people love him, uh, which is the other reason he's able to stay relevant, even though he's not fighting. Uh, he doesn't stay relevant on this podcast, Jeff. This is probably the most we've talked about Conor McGregor since uh, before the Floyd Mayweather fight. We did, you know, I did a separate episode, but I decided to not cover that so much because I wanted to stick to MMA on this podcast and I stand by that and honorable or not. That's the way it goes. Uh, have you seen anything else in the news? Any other major headlines popping up here? I feel like it's been kind of a quiet week here. Yeah, I feel like it has too. Uh, just real quick. I do want to try the notorious. It's uh, his, his line of whiskey that's coming out. So I definitely want to check that out. Uh, for Conor McGregor. Uh, maybe we could do it on the show sometime. But um, a piece of news that I think is pretty interesting is uh, everybody has been talking a little bit about Nunez versus Cyborg sometime in the near future, maybe summer. I don't know what the ETA on that is. But, Bill, in the meantime, Nunez has her hands full in the bantamweight division because she's got a title defense coming up against Raquel Pennington. Uh-huh. Bill. You know I'm a fan of Rocky. I've been advocating for her to get a shot for, you know, a few times on the show, and she's getting it at UFC 224 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So, Bill, how do you think these two ladies match up skill-wise, and do you think it's smart of Pennington to take this fight in Rio? Hmm. Uh, I mean, personally, I I never think it's smart to take a fight <laughs> in Brazil against a Brazilian, but uh, – this is also how, you know, some of the most epic fights have gone down. You know, Stipe won the heavyweight championship from Fabricio Verdum in Brazil. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting matchup. I I don't really know why they had, like, they had all the marketing in place to do Amanda Nunez against Cyborg. You know, they called each other out. They're both willing. Uh, you could have the first the potential for the first ever time a, a female will hold two belts, which is a huge deal. Um, you know, that's if Amanda Nunez were to win the fight, obviously cyborg can't make 135 pounds, but, uh, man, this is an interesting fight. I'm going to have to defer back to you. Uh, how do you see this one going, Jeff? I'll be honest with you, Bill. I think that Pennington has a really good shot here. I think that she's, solid on the feet. She's really solid on the feet. I think that if she can keep the fight from going to the ground, she's she can outlast Nunez. I think that Pennington's cardio holds up. Uh, she's never fought five rounds, unfortunately, but I think Pennington is smart enough, um, mostly because we've seen her corner, Tisha Torres, her partner. And, dude, Pennington, I think she's a good fighter. I think she can outlast the storm that Nunez brings. Uh, Pennington's a tough chick. So I feel like she can give Nunez a run for her money. Um, I don't see this one ending in a finish, but if it does, I think it goes to Nunez. And if it's uh, a decision, I think Pennington can edge it out. I think she's smart enough to maybe lose a round in order to win maybe two rounds after. So I think they match up really, really interestingly. Yeah, I I feel like it's a very interesting fight to me. I think it's a hard sell. Uh and I always talk about, you know, you have to draw in the casual fan. The casual fan 
probably only knows Amanda Nunez, if at all, for the person who, uh, you know, knocked out Ronda Rousey in her last ever, what is likely her last ever MMA fight and sent her to the WWE. Raquel Pennington, uh, not a lot of people know her besides the hardcore fans. Uh, you know, she did retire Misha Tate, essentially. Uh, uh, and then, you know, her other notable wins, Betch Coea, and she sent Jessica Andraj uh, down the strawweight, I believe. I think that was Andraj's last fight at bantamweight. Um, so, and, and she submitted her too, which is no no easy task. We, we know that Andraj is a, a beast on the ground, especially after her last fight. Um, and, and, you know, she went to distance with Holly Holm. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know how to sell this to a random person on the street. And, and that's always kind of how I think about marketing a fight. You know, would I be able to walk up to a person who only knows, you know, the, the biggest five or 10 names in the sport, would I be able to convince them to buy this on pay-per-view? And if I can't think of a way to word that, you know, if I can't go up to somebody at a bar in, in a UFC t-shirt and say, Hey, you're checking out on uh, Amanda Nunez and Raquel Pennington. And they say, well, why should I watch this fight? Uh, it's a tough sell. Um, but, I'm excited for it. I just don't understand why they wouldn't have gone the route of doing the fight with Nunez and Cyborg because now you run the risk. If Nunez does lose, can you really market Pennington and Cyborg? Just would Pennington want to fight Cyborg? And, you know, we talked about this last week, Jeff. You have a division in the women's featherweight division that's never had a non title fight. Uh, and nobody corrected us on that last week. So I'm just going to assume it's fact because uh, I don't want to do that much Googling myself. So I just assume that whatever I say is truth until somebody tells me that it's not. I, I think that's an okay way to go through life. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay not knowing the truth as long as I know my truth, Jeff. Um, but yeah, so... I feel like it kind of jams up the division. I liked the idea of Nunez and Cyborg. And in the meantime, get the fuck out there and start recruiting some 145 pound fighters. They're out there. They exist. You got to bring them in. You got to start having some non-title fights and build up some contenders. If you want to have this division, you can't just keep bringing in uh, unknown bantamweights that are willing to get in there with Cyborg. You know, I think the line was, uh, last time uh cyborg versus a warm body that was <laughs> that was that was what some people were billing it as and it's not far from the truth you know you got to build up some contenders here if you want to make a a real star out of her which she definitely has the potential to be uh you got to get the fighters in there you got to start having some non-title fights and then you got to start having some contendership fights and you got to get them like on the main card of a fight night, uh, you know, get these girls uh, in front of the viewership because you don't have a very large window at Cyborg. She's getting up there in age. You put her on the shelf for so long, kept her over an Invicta in the shadows. Uh, and, and now you decide you want to have this superstar, but you have no marketing plan to back it up. And that frustrates me, Jeff, as a <laughs> marketing minded individual that I am. Uh, but the fight fan in me is excited 
to see uh, Raquel Pennington and Amanda Nunez go at it. Like I say, Jeff, I always have these two sides of my brain and they're always kind of competing one another, but uh, that's kind of how I see it. Any, any other thoughts on this now that I've given you my little rant here about marketing? Yeah, Bill, I agree with the Nunez versus Pennington being a hard fight to saw. I definitely agree with that. You know, they're not going to talk a lot of trash to each other. Pennington's usually really respectful of her opponents as is Nunez. So, you're not going to see a lot of trash talk here. and But I got to disagree with you with the cyborg thing. I don't think you can – it's hard to build that featherweight division just because mm-hmm. not everybody would want to work their way up the rankings just to fight cyborg. It's like it's like waiting in line to be thrown into a wood chipper. Nobody's going <laughs> to sign up for that. That's a great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. Uh, I, you know, you'd be surprised, Jeff. People will wait online and do some really dumb shit. I've seen it. You know, I, I grew up right outside of New York City. I've I've seen people wait online for some ridiculous shit. You know, they wait online for Broadway tickets and not even know what show they're gonna go to. They just get online. <laughs> Sometimes people see a line and they just stand on it, and I feel like. <laughs> That may be how Kunitskaya got in the cage with Cyborg. She's oh like, what's this, what's this line for? <laughs> I thought I was going to get tickets for Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, hey, uh, you're you're kind of tall. Uh, why don't you get on this line here? <laughs> in any case, Jeff, I think, uh, I don't know. I think we can make this a short one this week. What do you think? Yeah, Bill, unless you got anything to add, I think uh, I think that everybody can have a great week. Yeah, the only thing I have to add is more bourbon to this Gold Rush cocktail, which I'm going to do immediately after we sign off here. If you want to get in touch with us on social media, you can reach Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And, of course, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Or you can send me an email, MMAontherocksgmail.com. Don't be shy. Let me know what you're thinking and drinking out there. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.